When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In terms of the DH there, uh... Look, what, what do you expect him to say? You know? Do you expect him to say, no, we'll put Jorge Alfaro there? No. He's going to, you know, I think I think he knows that AJ is working his butt off and he's going to find a move. He's, really, he's going to find a move that will allow him to have a better concrete idea of who that DH is going to be. I know they missed out on Cruz and I was pissed off about that. You can go listen or watch that episode. Um, but this DH option, it really does hinge on what AJ does. Does AJ go a little bit more of a rotational thing, bring in a platoon guy like Jock Peterson? Or does he bring in someone like Jorge Soler? You know? So, here is now the next one on Bob Melvin talking about his expectations for Mike Clevenger. That is great news right there about Mike Clevenger. I mean, if you're telling me that Clevenger, he's rearing to go, looks 100%, now you're surprised how good he looks. I mean, Mike Clevenger's lining up as the fourth starter in this rotation right now. That's how stacked this rotation is. So, if you're telling me that Clevenger's good, and hopefully you think that Darvish is good, and Snell is good, and Musgrove's good, health-wise is what I mean, I mean, that's a heck of a top four rotation. No one in baseball is going to beat that. And so, 
you got to be really happy if you're a Padre fan like I am hearing that. And obviously, this, at the end of the day, doesn't really matter. You know, what matters is what we see when Clevenger pitches in those spring training games and all that, the results, and then obviously into the season. And hopefully that arm holds up and all that. But in terms of just comments and what Bob's has seen, obviously we're not there. Uh, I mean, you can't, I don't think you can be happier about what we're hearing about Clevenger. So that's Clevenger. Next topic that Bob Owen discussed. He was asked about C.J. Abrams and if he will play both second base and shortstop during spring training. Here's his response. All right, so Bob Melvin again for the podcast audience says that C.J., because of Tatis' injury, you know, lack of shortstop, he's probably going to see in most innings at shortstop. Again, early in spring training, I know it's only 18 games in 19 days, but Kim is probably going to play shortstop first few innings, and then they're going to let Abram ride for the last six, seven innings, at least probably for this first couple, first few games. And obviously if Kim, you know, needs more at-bats against high velocity, they'll put him in there. But you can also get those at-bats in games, backfield games, with pitchers that don't get into those spring training games. Like an Adrian Morahone, maybe, or a Michelle Baez, someone like that. You can still get your at-bats there for Kim. I think the Padres really want to look at C.J. Abrams in these big league, actual big league spring training games to see what they've got. And I think Preller's not going to be afraid to bring him up on opening day if he needs to. I don't think he will be up on opening day. The injury timeline definitely hurt him last year. You know, that definitely uh, pushed it back. But Abrams is an elite talent. There's no doubt about that. And so I like that Abrams is going to get a lot of reps at shortstop. I'm very, very excited in seeing CJ healthy for one and then getting to see him play in spring training games eventually. So the next one now, we'll get to Chris Paddock. Bob Melvin was asked about Chris Paddock and fighting for the fifth rotation spot. You know, you have four spots locked down, right? Clevenger, Musgrove, Darvish, Snell probably in that reverse order. Um, so those are four locked down. That fifth spot's open. Weathers, Morahone, Gore, really outside chance, Paddock. You know, who's going to get that spot? And so Bob uh, talked to the media about that. Yeah, he's that. those comments that he made there, that, that's right. He's got to compete, and I think that's the right mindset to go into in the spring training. That nothing's given to you. You were on the team last year, uh, but there's people that are coming for that same spot that you are. So there's no guarantee that you're going to earn that, but you're going to have to earn it. And so I think that sets a good example and definitely keeps Paddock hungry, uh, keeps Weathers hungry, keeps Morahone hungry. Those guys that are probably going to, those are probably three main guys, Nick Martinez, if they get that deal done. Those are the guys competing for that fifth spot, I'd assume. And so, yeah, Paddock, I think I, I think Paddock's the front runner. I know if they finalize this $20 million deal with Nick Martinez, it's like, okay, they gave all that money to him. He's going to be the guy. But it's going to be based on results, and I think Paddock does have the upper hand, to be quite honest. And I think his mentality, I talked with Kevin Ac about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. You can watch or listen to that after this show. 
talking about Paddock's mentality, and we both agreed. He should just go out there and say, I have nothing to lose. Didn't have a good year last year. You know, things have been in the head, you know, in my head. Forget about all that cowboy stuff and just go out, pitch. Don't care about, you know, if you suck one day, just flush it and move on. Move on to the next inning. Move on to the next pitch. And I think he'll see more success with that. Next, the final comment about that Bob Melvin made. He was asked if he has any idea who he'll use as the team's closer. And he had a response kind of like the DH response, which was expected. And before I play this, there's options. Drew Pomerantz, Emilio Pagan, Robert Suarez maybe, Luis Garcia. It's a, it's a similar situation, I think, as last year, where you had Melanson, you had Pomerantz, you had Keone Kella. Remember that? That was, feels like a mile, uh, hundred years ago. Uh, one more guy I'm forgetting, Melanson. Melanson, Pagan, Pomerantz, Kakela. That Those four guys, you had those four guys last year that were going to compete. And three of those guys didn't, were like, yeah, I'll take whatever role Jace Tingler gives me. Where Melanson was like, I, I want to go out and get this. So maybe there'll be a guy that takes on that role and takes on that mentality and, and is clear, like, dude, I want to go out and get this closer position and really goes out and earns it like Melanson did. Uh, but this was Bob Melvin's answer, asked if he has any idea who he'll use as the team's closer. Melvin there for the podcast audience, just talking about it's going to take a while for that closer position to you know solidify itself, have someone stand out. Now, AJ might make a move. Who knows? Kenley Jansen's still out there. I wouldn't do that. I think the bullpen should not be his priority right now. I think I'd just ride with that and maybe just... You know, you can make additions if you need to. I like Kevin Copps a lot. Had him on the show a few weeks back as well. You can go watch or listen to that. Uh, he talked, and his goal is to impact the Major League team this year. I think he can do that. You know, pitching the SEC last year, or the, uh, a couple years ago, Golden Spikes Award winner, best conference college baseball in the country, high impact, high pressure, Situations that he's already, he's already pitched in in college. Those situations are higher pressure than in the minor leagues in terms of fans and everyone there and people paying attention, to be quite honest, I feel like. Um, those games are broadcast on TV, on the SEC network sometimes. So he's faced that prefer, pressure. Ray Kerr's another guy. So I think it's the same thing as last year. It's, it's going to... This closure situation is going to determine it's going to you're going to see who becomes the closer based on the results of spring training. Who shows that they want to go out and get it? You know? Uh, Emmanuel, you guys said you can't hear. Okay, so I'm sorry about that. I thought you guys could hear. Um, Okay, so I'll go over all the responses. Bob Dunn was asked about how he feels about using the DH. He said that it's kind of dependent on what AJ does, uh, moves-wise. Does he bring in a DH or it could be rotational? He had Chris Davis in Oakland, and so that kind of was easy hit for him. And in, in terms of Mike Clevenger, he really liked where Mike Clevenger is at, 100%. Uh, feels better than ever. He was really he was impressed with how much he's progressed, you know, off that injury. CJ Abrams said that CJ's probably going to get bulk of the time at shortstop with that Tatis injury. Uh, and they really want to see him play in games. He's going to play in a lot of the games. When asked about Chris Paddock entering spring training with a chance to win a spot, he said yes. 
all the guys are going to battle, and he doesn't want Chris to feel like things are going to be handed to him. He wants him to come in with that bulldog mentality that I need to go earn this. And then finally about the closer, it's going to be like the DH. It's going to sort itself out like last year, closer as well. Um, look, it's going to the person that wants it is going to go win the job. Through their play, through their pitching, they're going to go win the job. It's as simple as that. So those are Bob Melvin's responses. I'm sorry that it seems like you could only hear the first one. Okay, so hopefully you uh, heard that recap that I said about all of Bob Melvin's responses there. Um, I apologize for that. Um, but that was Bob Melvin's responses to the media. He said also that Tatis' motorcycle days are over. And it was an experience to learn from. That's kind of like a no-duh thing. Like, yeah, you definitely shouldn't have even been on the motorcycle in the first place. Again, I was pissed off last night. You can go look at that uh, or listen to that, episode 125. We talked totally all about Tatis pretty much there. Uh, he said Clevenger is expected to be ready for opening day. Let's see, anything else he said? You uh, Darvish did throw on a mound today versus live hitters in first throwing session at camp. Bob Scanlon said that Darvish has made mechanical changes to, to relieve stress in his back, which is what was that big injury to Darvish last year, his hip, his back, near the all-star break. It seems, like, it seems like he was never the same. You know, he was never the same. And so hopefully, whatever, he's changed. And maybe I'll do a breakdown of that in spring training when I first see him and kind of compare that to what he was doing last year. And maybe if I can spot things, slow-mo, any mechanical changes that he's made, We'll see. Um, but that's definitely, if that's the case, and he did make mechanical changes, and he'd know better than us, you know, I'm not this big pitching guru. I'm a fan. Uh, you know, a fanalist, as I've heard some people say. Um, but hopefully that's what happened. Uh, let's see here. Those are pretty much the big comments. Um, so those are Bob Melvin's comments. Uh, we'll go to comments here, Erie. Uh, let's see. I read an article saying that Kenley Jansen will not play for a rival. He doesn't want to do that to the Dodger fan, so I guess that's off the books. Yeah. Again, I know you're big on Jansen. On previous episodes, you've said that. I'm not that big on him. Um, I don't think the bullpen is that big of a priority. I don't think it should be. Uh, we heard the Bo Mel interview, but not the other ones. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully you're able to hear what I just said there about what Melvin said. Do you think with the 12-team playoffs is the reason why Freddie Freeman hasn't picked up immediately? It does change things a little bit. Not really because Freddie Freeman is like a huge impact player. He's the best first baseman in the league. He might be a top 10 player in the league right now. You know, it would be hard for me to name nine players that are better than him. And I don't have the stats here. But, I mean, I could just, like, go, like, Trout, Otani, maybe Judge, Healthy, Tatis, Unhealthy, maybe Acuna, Soto. I think Har I think Freeman's more consistent than Harper. I think Frey Freeman is better than Machado. Um, Arenado, definitely not. And I'm looking position players. I'm not counting pitchers. Pitchers don't count. Um... Devers and Bogarts, no. Mookie Betts, okay, there's one I think I'd put in front of Freddie. But yeah, other than, I mean, it's hard It's hard to find anyone that is, there's not many guys that's better than Freddie Freeman right now. 
So I don't think a team, a team that's truly contending, like the Dodgers, like the Padres, a team like that, if they're all in on Freddie, or if they're even thinking about it, they're not saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't sign him because we can get in if, even if we don't sign him. Like, that's only teams that are on the fringe that probably wouldn't even even have the chance of signing him anyway because they're not willing to give him six years, $150 million or whatever he wants. So, $180 million or whatever, whatever it would be. So, I, I don't think so. Vlad Jr. is another one. Not, I would not do that yet. He's talented, but it's it's too early for me. You could say that same argument about Tatis, but Tatis does so many things, base running. He has the power that Vlad has, at least last year. Um, plays probably better defense a little bit. I know Tatis' defense last year at the beginning of the season was shaky, but he, he is better in that category. Um, but Vlad is up there, but I'd still put Freeman in front of him. And speaking of Freeman, yes, his son would be, Charlie would be very happy. His favorite his favorite player is Fernando. At the All-Star game, that picture like went viral of that picture of Tatis and Charlie. Um, and, and then during the season in Atlanta, Freddie got a sign, had Tatis sign a jersey for his son, so that was cool. He would make Charlie happy, yeah. But I think Charlie's at the stage right now where like, if Freeman went to the Dodgers, like he'd still get to see Tatis then 19 times a year. So I know the schedule's probably changing next year where it's less divisional games because um, they're playing every team in the league. That's what the league wants now, I guess. But as for this year, you'd see him 19 times because I, I think Tatis would still be with the team in some capacity. Um, all right. Speaking of Fernando, uh, not Fernando, Freddie, Bob Nightingale came out with a article today saying that the Potters have entered the bidding for Freddie Freeman. And now this article, uh, it's Bob Nightingale. You know, I had a reaction art, uh, reaction video on YouTube that I had put out there on Instagram as well, Twitter, about. Right when I saw that report and I prefaced it by saying, you know, Bob Nightingale isn't the most reliable guy. He's been wrong on some things. And so I, I, uh, I can understand why some fans would be like, Ben, don't even think about that. Don't even look into that. But he still is a reporter. He still he was at Padres camp today. So that's why I'm kind of like, OK, I'll, I'll believe him a little bit in terms of them being interested Kevin Acey came out with a piece later kind of saying they're not really into the bidding. They wouldn't put it, Padres sources wouldn't put it that much high in the, of their level interest, but they're interested. But maybe not bidding if it's into a bidding war. Like Bob Nightingale said, it was, it's not really uh, that big. They're not really bidding for him. They're just interested. Maybe if his market goes down. But I think, look... They're not getting him. That's I've said that, and I'm going to stick to that. I've said that the whole offseason. Fans have tried photoshopping Freddie in a Potter's uniform, Potter hat. I don't see it happening. I don't see them moving that Hosmer contract because, rightfully so, I don't think they should be moving Hassel or Abrams just to get rid of a Hosmer contract. Um, I just don't see Freddie 
coming here and then, and then the Padres being willing to just say, hey, Hosmer, we'll have you DH and take up all these DH at-bats. Not to mention having Fernando come back and who knows about his health in the second half of the year. And you have Hosmer just taking up all these DH at-bats. When, look, he's not the same power hitter that he was with Kansas City. How many home runs did he have last year? Like 15? And Freddie doubles that. So I'm not saying Freddie's not going to – he wouldn't help the team. They'd have the best infield in the league when Tatis comes back. So I'd obviously be – I'd love it. I love Freddie. love his personality. It's not too big. Just goes about his business. Kind of like Will. Um, obviously a lot more talented, better player. MVP a couple years ago, defending World Series champion. Uh, but I don't. I just don't see this move happening. Like, let's. I don't see them moving Hosmer. So if you're assuming that Hosmer's still on the books, and they don't sign anyone else, it's just Freddie. They have a 210 million dollar payroll right now. About that, according to Spotrac. And you add Freddie, that's 30 million dollars a year. Your payroll's at 240. That's 10 million dollars over the 230 million dollars competitive balance tax threshold. And so now you're getting into the area where Seidler's going to have to pay 30% tax of how much he goes over. And that 240 number is before you even add the $5 million AAV of Nick Martinez, if it's the four years, $20 million, like reported before the lockout. That's before you add 15 to 20 or 12 to $15 million average annual value of a, say, Suzuki deal or a $25 million average annual value of a Chris Bryant deal or maybe like a $30 million AAV of a Castellanos deal. And so if they go into that water, then you're looking at a payroll that's 350, 360. And that's where it's like, that's where it's like now you're paying even more in taxes. I don't know how much that means to Scyther. And if he really wants to just go all in, the Fernando injury obviously doesn't really help with that, you know, wanting to do that. But again, he's out just the first half of the year, but it's not my money. Obviously, I just say, Peter, Mr. Seidler, just go spend it on Freeman. Go spend it on Bryant. Go spend it on Suzuki. Go spend it on everyone. But that's, we know that's not the way the world works. We know that's not the way that front offices work. They're really – they try to be as careful as possible with the money that they're spending on guys now. They want these shorter contracts, these smaller AAV contracts, contracts unless you're a really, really special player like Fernando or Manny. So they're really careful with that. Uh, I just don't see payroll-wise, I just don't see that happening. Uh, so that's Freddie. Their motivation behind this is obviously the main one, you know, think like probably driving up the price on for the Dodgers because the Dodgers seem like the main front runners on a Freddie Freeman deal. So that's obviously always that possibility. Um, that they're just trying to raise the price there. But to be quite honest, if they're interested in Freddie Freeman, I feel like they're interested. There's so many moves, there's so many things that they need to upgrade. They don't have a left fielder right now. You know, they don't really have a, a firm DH right now. They don't have a firm fourth outfielder right now. Profar is better utility wise, playing first, second, left field sometimes, wherever. He's better utility wise. He's not a starting left fielder. Jorge Alfaro is not a starting left fielder. They need more power in the lineup. So there's more moves. There's more time that Preller specifically and Josh Stein and the front office needs to be spending 
on and focusing on if they're truly not interested in Freddie Freeman. If they're truly not interested in Freddie Freeman, who cares what the Dodgers end up paying him, to be quite honest? Like, okay, if you're driving up the price and he still ends up going there, the Dodgers have the money to still keep spending. You know, they're a big market team. They still have the money. They're going to continue to keep spending. You know, so I just, I don't see why focusing on just driving up the price for the Dodgers, what is that ultimately end goal? What does that really do? You know, it's not like it's the Kansas City Royals. It's a big market team. What does that really do at the end of things, making the Dodgers overpay for Freddie when you're just going to have to face him anyway, and then you wasted your time faking like you're interested in him when you could have been focusing on Chris Bryant or Seiya Suzuki or someone like that and filling your actual holes. So I hopefully you get where I'm coming from with that. Uh, I just don't think it's smart to just be wasting your time right now on driving up the Dodgers price tag or whatever. Um, but that's pretty much what Nightingale said. Uh, he said that the Padres franchise record, they're having 19,000 19, season ticket holders, my family being one of them. I don't know if he's counting 19,000 seats in the ballpark or 19,000 accounts, but that just shows the testament of us. That shows the testament of this wonderful fan base and this fan base that I would not want to leave ever. You know, there, there is like a tweet that would you, if someone gave you $150 million, would you root for your rival? Like, no. That would be a lot of money. Great. But would I be happy? I'm happy with the Padres. I love the Padres. The Padres are a huge part of my life. And I'm proud of this fan base and this fan base's support of the team. And with the, I mean, you saw it with the Fernando injury and how everyone was upset with him, how I was upset with him, how some of the group chat was upset with him, how some, a lot of people on Twitter were a little bit upset with him. Even the people that weren't and saying, this guy's young, just give him a break. But all of those passionate remarks and all of that, all of those people giving their opinions about it. If this team wasn't contending and weren't really showing that they wanted to win, I don't know if that many people would have expressed their opinion about it. But now that they're winning, now that they're showing that they really care about the city and they really want to win, this fan base supports. This fan base loves the Padres. And so that 19,000... Season ticket number, franchise record. Guess what? That's that's a testament, like Aaron Gruber said earlier today. That's a testament to this wonderful fan base and this fan base's support of this team. So anyone that you see on Twitter, Dodger fans or Dan Clark or whatever, anyone that's trying to bash the fan base and say that they're not loyal or the fan base is soft or they're too reactionary or whatever people say. Don't buy into that stuff. Be yourself. Be us. We're unique. We're passionate. We're real Padres fans. You know, I'm on the East Coast right now. It's 12.28 a.m. Eastern Time. And I've been on for an hour and a half talking to you guys. I love the Padres. And this is on a day they made zero moves. And I'm just talking about stuff that happened at spring training. So, this 19,000 mark is... Great for the Padres and money-wise and revenue, but it's a testament to us, the fans. The support, the loyalty, that's what it is. 
Festive is here. I was born in San Diego and I've been going to games since the first season. Yeah, look. There you, there you go. This fan base is loyal. So anyone that tries to tell you that they're not, they can screw off. Uh, before we get into the Major League Baseball news of the day, I did want to get to something else Nightingale said. And something I teased in the ticker here for the YouTube audience and something I teased in the title. And Nightingale said that Fernando Tatis Jr. is forbidden in riding motorcycles in his contract. But he still did it anyway? That's my takeaway. So Fernando is forbidden in riding motorcycles in his contract. But he still did it anyway? That makes me even more disappointed in him. It's like, come on, man. You're 22. I get it. You want to have fun. You want to be with your family and be in the Dominican and all that. You can do that without not following your contract and going against your contract. If this is true and you're, you agree to not be on motorcycles and do these hazardous activities and you're still doing them, that's on you, man. That makes you look even worse in this. And that, that makes me really disappointed if that's really true. That you just didn't follow the rule even though you knew it was in your contract. Come on, dude. You know, going against the contract? That's a really bad look, man. That's a really bad look. And like I mentioned yesterday, big Tatis podcast. Huge supporter, have his jersey, all that. Was that the three-homer game that he had in 2021 against the Diamondbacks? Was that the game against Seattle at Petco where he had two home runs and he had a grand slam that totally opened the gates there? That was like the real start of the swag chain, I believe. Was there for that. Huge fan of the guy. But if this is true and he went against his contract when he knew that he couldn't ride motorcycles, that's you, that's you putting yourself in front of the team, and that's not a good look when you're supposed to be that second leader on the team behind Manny. That's not a good look, Fernando. You gotta be better than that. I don't wanna harp on that too much, but I did need to mention that. Because I did see that in Nightingale's article, and that really made me more disappointed in Fernando, if that's the case. So, I did wanna mention that. Before we get out of here, we'll get to the Major League Baseball moves that did happen today. After being acquired by the Braves yesterday, on Monday, Matt Olson, probably before he even got on the field, before he even got on the field with the Braves, he signed a contract extension. Contract extension, eight years, $168 million. This is like a contract that Freddie Freeman would have gotten if he were 27 years of age, but he's not. He's five years older than Matt Olson. And while I think, and I still hold this belief, that Freddie Freeman kind of got screwed by the Braves and the Braves should have went about it in a better way and let him know before the trade that, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. Uh, if you want to take our offer, we'll go with that instead of the trade. But if not, I understand. We appreciate what you've done for the franchise. We're going to go in a different direction. Now, Alex Anthopoulos, Alex Anthopoulos, their GM, if anyone didn't see, he was highly emotional about Freddie Freeman and losing out on him. And he thinks, you know, especially in these trades like this, it's a business, but like he won a World Series last year. He is the franchise, face of the franchise. Dansby Swanson was saying that his numbers should be retired and all of that. 
and, and he probably should, to be quite honest. And that would be like if the Padres win a World Series and Manny's at the end of his contract and they end up and they end up acquiring a younger a younger third baseman, even though Manny can probably still play for a few more years in his prime, and they end up going a younger route, and and, and they don't tell Freud, or they don't tell Manny that they're going in this direction. Kind of like that's kind of like how that would be. And I think it was a slap to the face for Freddie Freeman, um, and I'd be dis I. I'd be a little irked if I was Freddie, but it's a business. And, Ale and Alex Anthopoulos, with that video that came out, speaking to reporters, he was like crying, talking about it because he knew how much Freddie meant to the Braves organization. But at the same time, you can make the move. You know, good for them. They locked down Matt Olson, one of the best first basemen in the league, all-star caliber player, great player. He's going to hit a lot of home runs for them. You know, you can get that guy back and not bring back Freddie. That's one thing. But to do it in the way that they did, it felt like they lowballed with him in offers before the lockout, after the lockout. This Dodger interest is totally picking up because it seems like Freddie's side sees that, look, the Braves aren't going to give me what I want, so I got to go somewhere else. So I'd be a little irked, you know, that the Braves went with this when they could have maybe stuck it out a little bit longer, maybe another week, see what that brings. And then if they want to pull the trigger, they do it. Because look, no other team is going to match that package. I was surprised that the A's didn't even get Kyle Wright, that pitching prospect, that young pitching prospect. But they did really good in this deal. Christian Pache is the real deal. Center fielder of the future probably for Oakland. And he was mad about leaving Atlanta. He was sad about that. He had posted a picture with Ronald Cooney Jr. in the Braves parking lot in spring training in Florida, I think the day before, about how happy he was to be with Acuna and all that, and how he's traded. That's the business, but it was a slap in the face if I was Freddie Freeman, the way that the Braves treated me. But in terms of the extension, eight years, $168 million. Same amount of years as that Hosmer extent, or Hosmer deal that the Padres gave Hosmer in 2018. Um, and Olsen's going to get $22 million each year the last six years of that contract. There's a club option for that, that year after those last six years where he's earning $22 million a year. And it's kind of mind-boggling that Haas got the same amount of years that Olsen did despite hitting 14 less home runs uh, the year before he got a contract, you know? So I think that's alarming. That's definitely alarming. And it shows that that contract just really was not a good contract. But I'm not breaking news here, you know. I'm not breaking any news to you. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. But I did want to put that in perspective. Like, Olsen had a great year, better year than Hosmer did. Way better. And he locked up an extension was still two years of control, that tells you how much they believe in him. And it wasn't, it was for the same amount of years, and it wasn't that much more money than Hosmer for a big market team, you know? So that just shows you how bad of a contract, how much of an Oprah pay that the Padres gave Eric Hoffman. So 
I think that's all the topics. Covered Hosmer speaking, covered Seidler speaking, covered Padres' interest in Freeman, maybe their interest or their motivations behind being interested. Uh, Tatis violating his contract. This has been episode 126, Talking Cars Podcast, presented by Gaglion Bros, Cheesesteaks and Subs, gaglionbros.com. Thank you, everyone, in this live chat. Again, this has been over an hour and a half. 12.37 a.m. on the East Coast here. Ben Fadden signing out here. I'll probably come back with something tomorrow. Probably not a live stream at night. Maybe a live stream during the day if something happens. So stay tuned for that. But this is episode 126, Talking Fires Podcast. Ben Fadden signing off. Everyone have a good night. Have a safe night. And again, thank you for supporting this channel. So hit the subscribe button. Have a good night. Go Padres. Until next time, see ya.